Internet Brand Strategist, Sandra Beck, interviews top business coaches, speakers, authors, and thought leaders to bring you the best business tips, tricks, and techniques to give your idea the best possible chance for success. From writing your first novel, to telecommuting from home, to taking your small business to infinity and beyond. Now here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I am here today with a life coach, friend, guru, super grandma of like eight or nine (laughs) kids now. I don't know, they keep coming and they're all beautiful. Um, Frankie Picasso. And we're going to talk today about second careers and sometimes third or fourth (laughs) careers. Because Frankie, I have not figured out, you know, I've been a, a professor at USC. I've been I've run big companies. I've worked for big companies. I've owned my own company. You know, now I have this entrepreneurial radio show and I look at my peer group and not only are a lot of them on second marriages and second families, but they're on second, third or fourth careers. And I think that's one of the things of living here where we do that we can shift. And I think that's really important. And I love that you're here to talk to me about these things. Thank you. I <laughs> I feel like I'm on my 10th or 12th career. I don't know. I, I keep starting over every couple of years. And, and lately I've been on a big quest to see what am I going to do when I grow up and I'm in my 60s. So um, I don't think you ever stop growing up and changing. I think that you always want to feel viable and important to yourself and, and to others. And especially as you get older, um, it seems to be more meaning in, in doing for others and than for yourself even. And so we're looking to, to connect and, and to make those kind of changes in our lives. Well, see, and it's funny you say that because I am like, I am kind of the exact opposite these days because um, I found myself being very helpful and philanthropic and, you know, I ran charities. I, I, you know, did all these things in my twenties, thirties, and and then in my mid forties, I'm like, crap! I am taking care of everybody but myself, but my family. I put my dreams on hold. So, you know, when my ex husband left me at 39, it was a really good wake up call for me to go, okay, now you've got maybe the second half or even the the second third of your life. Let's say, yeah. what are you going to do? How are you going to make it? Who are you going to be, and how are you going to show up? I mean, I had a full catastrophic um, collapse and rebirth and I'm myself, but I'm a better version of myself as a result. Yeah, I think it happens. I think we get three of those. I think we get one in our thirties. A lot of women, especially there, there is a name for it. I can't remember what it is, but there's an event that happens in our thirties where we get this real wake up call about ourselves. Who are we and what is it that we want to be and, 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 and whatever. Um, and then it happens again, then that midlife crisis or what I call the, the midlife metamorphosis happens can be anywhere from 40s till 60s um and and that's like the real midlife quote-unquote crisis and then um if you're like me you just i've had that and menopause and then you just keep going uh we're always changing we're and evolving and and some people regress and some people shine and and move forward and i think it depends on your outlook on life um today's I look at, you know, today, being in my 60s, I look at, at 60, I think that is not the same 60 that our parents or grandparents 60 was. They, they bought into the ageism, and so they acted old, looked old, felt old. Um, but we're not that. We are definitely not that. And, and, you know, looking younger, maybe it's medical 
you know, technology or whatever, but um, we've got lots of life still left in us when we are 60. Well, and I think, you know, a lot of it comes down to belief too, Frankie. Like, you know, I look at, you know, when I was growing up, you know, and I was in a small kind of rural farming community and, you know, everybody kind of got married between 19 and 23. They had their first babies, you know, did they go to school? Not so much. Did they pursue a lot of different dreams um, other than being married, starting a family and having, you know, like a farm or, yeah. or something like that? Not so much. And I think today the opportunity is so much greater, especially for women. Um, but also I think it takes the pressure off the younger generation. Like when I look at my teenage kids and I spend a lot of time with them and their peers and they're always like, Miss Sandra, I don't know what to do with my life. And I'm like, good, good. Because, you know, knowing what you want to do at 16 may not be what's at 26 or 36 or 46 and having the permission. And I think that's part and parcel of the entrepreneurial mindset. So I think that entrepreneurial mindset and the people who thrive are the ones who look for opportunity. And when you look for opportunity in your business or your personal life, you can't stay static. I agree with you. I think, well, there's a couple of things that we can look at. First of all, you know, I come from a family, your brother's a doctor, lawyer, architect, you know, those are real disciples that people go to college and university for and, and strive to be that. That's something they all knew that they wanted to be at, at a very young age. I was always struggling with what do I want to be when I grow up? I'm still struggling with what do I want to be when I grow up? However, that allowed me to be a hundred different things that I had no idea I was going to be. Master them, you know, jack of all trades, right? Master none. But you get to try stuff. And, and, and I think that's what entrepreneurship, that's what an entrepreneur is. He's somebody who sees an opportunity, tries stuff and, you know, learn from it and, and, and moves on. And, you know, Frankie, now is a really good time to thank our sponsor. Uh -huh. Our sponsor is Indeed. And when you start your hiring process, you might have questions. You know, will you find good applicants to choose from? And what about education and experience? And how will you know you made the right hire? Indeed is here to help. You're right. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. And you can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your shortlist of applicants fast. Totally agree with that. And also add skills tests to your job posts. Yep. So you can be confident in your applicants' abilities. Their library of more than 50 skills tests range from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Uh -huh. Post your job today at indeed.com slash coach talk and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's indeed.com slash coach talk. Terms and conditions and exclusions apply and offer is valid through March 31st, 2020. Now you might want to know how to spell indeed. It's I-N-D-E-E-D.com and slash coach talk like our show c-o-a-c-h-t-a-l-k that's indeed.com slash coach talk indeed.com slash coach talk last time indeed.com slash coach talk so Frankie, we talked a lot about, you know, kind of second careers and shifting and, and jobs. And, you know, with Indeed, you can search millions of jobs online to find the next step in your career, but you also can find the next step in your dreams. And I think a lot of people dream about being something, but they're afraid to go for it. They're afraid, you know, especially if they're over the age of 30. 
you know, I see people becoming less and less risk takers for those dream careers. And I think when you get into 40 or 50 or 60, uh, for some people, it can become more difficult to kind of be a student again or humble themselves to sit there. You know, recently I had to sit in a group with a bunch of 16 year olds and listen to a coach. <laughs> yeah. How fun is that? But you know, I think you said something really important earlier. You talked about, you know, having starting families young and that was a woman's role back in the day. We started, we had our families yes. and we weren't expected to work. And there comes a point, you know, you're, the, the, the nest is empty. What do I do with myself? And this is where the second career opportunity comes in. You know, women think that if they stayed at home, that they're nothing. However, there's so many transferable skills that you learn as a mom. Uh, time management is one. Uh, service is another. Uh, you know, service with a smile. Um, you, you do learn a lot how to manage and do a lot of, you know, people at one time. And that's a really important skill and a coaching skill. And, it, you know, there's so many things that you can do with um, what you have learned as, as a caretaker or a homemaker. So don't let that stop you from looking for an, another career. We don't know what's out there. And that's the beautiful part when you go through Indeed or any of these services, you know, you start to see jobs and, and opportunities that you didn't even know existed in the world. And so that's pretty cool. Um, just start looking at colleges and what they offer and you go, wow, I didn't know that was a real job. Uh, Cause you know, if you don't, you don't know what you don't know. And so that can be very exciting and to give you some impetus and push, but there is online school. There is you know, colleges that you can get real degrees from that you don't actually have to physically visit in Switzerland or someplace like that. Yeah. And you can stay in, you know, in your hometown and do that. And I think it's pretty, I, I think if you want to live a long life, you're going to have to figure out what to do with it. Cause it can't just be sitting watching television. I really believe that. So like you, you did your public service early. Some people will do it later on in life. Sure. They were busy or doing other things. Right. But there is going to be something, hopefully for some of you, for, for all of us, um, that is going to take interest. And whether it's volunteerism, that's okay. You don't always have to get paid for the work that you do. Uh, but you still need to kind of work and, and feel good about yourself and, and what you're contributing to society. Um, and for your own mental health, really. I think it's really important that people don't just sit home every single day and look at their four walls. I think they need to get out with, with people and do something. So, um entrepreneurism, like you said, is really about opportunity. Opportunity knocks for all of us. This is a Frankieism. Opportunities just aren't actioned upon. So people go, oh, that didn't come to me. I didn't get the opportunity. If you've ever watched late night television and you see an infomercial, you go, oh, I thought about that years ago. I, I, I created that. That yeah. was my idea. We all had the same idea because I think that we can tap into this creative pool. I call it this creative pool um, of, of ideas. But the entrepreneur is the one who actually takes that idea and implements it. And so if you want to be an entrepreneur, take an idea, implement it and watch it grow. And so you're ahead of, you're ahead of the pack now. Cause you know, you, you saw the opportunity and opportunity usually falls in the area of service. You know, if you can be of service, that's where there's always a lack. So if you can identify an opportunity of lack, then you can become an entrepreneur in an area that's going to be well-received. Well, and I look at like, you know, some of the things for entrepreneurial spirit and entrepreneurial skill set, they naturally fall into the homemaker, whether you're a male or female homemaker. I don't care. We've got a lot of stay at home dads these days. And, 
the idea of multitasking, organizing, you know, delivering food, you know, to your family, you know, handling all the service jobs that need to be done in the household, whether it's cleaning, whether it's cooking, whether it's childcare, whether it's driving, like all these things mm -hmm. teach someone the ability to manage stress, to multitask and to focus towards a goal. And, mm -hmm. you know, that goal setting it's so funny. Everybody thinks when I teach these goal setting seminars, you know, I do a lot in the real estate communities on goal setting. And it's like, you guys already know how to goal set if you've raised children, because a goal set could be, you know, a Christmas dinner can be a Thanksgiving dinner or some sort of holiday event or a birthday. You know, all of that requires planning, you know, goal setting, like the goal is to have this kind of party for my kid or this kind of event for my family what is that? It's time management, it's goal setting, it's resource management. It's just, we give it a lot of different amazing words that make it sound really intimidating. But I think people language is so powerful because it really determines whether we can do something or not. And that's a really important point because when you're reading an ad on Indeed and you look at what they're looking for, you don't see yourself in that. But right. Be careful because language, just like sugar, there's a hundred different words for sugar that, you know, ooh, it's not sugar in there, but there is. It's the same for that time management or that um, your ability to, to plan or your ability to do other things. Look for the words and see if they match any of the skills that you have. And, and don't be intimidated by the ad. Just, you know, see yourself in that ad if you can and, and show people where you had an opportunity to do that. Some people, I know that there's a lot of people where you live, especially that want to get young children into good schools. And so they have to plan early, Yeah. <laughs> right? They plan early for that event and uh, they do everything that they can to make sure that their child has all the resources in place. That's going to make them look like a good candidate to get into a school. Man, that's like micromanaging, uh, you know, a, a, a pro football player or something. <laughs> right. Or a product line, you know, for or, a company, yeah. like your, your product is your kid. And you know, how do you engineer the things around them that they need? You know, you give them lessons, you take them to this, you expose them yeah. to that. I mean, I think it's one of those things where when we demystify a lot of this entrepreneurial aspect of business or traditional business, um, all of a sudden it's like, Hey, wait a minute. Like I had this great office manager, um, in my office in Beverly Hills and everybody there was, you know, the top of the top. I went to the school. I did this. I did that. And the, the lady who ran the office, who was in charge of keeping the business going, like I'm telling you, if the copy machine isn't working, you're not getting your contract signed. If the computers are not networked, you're not getting to email, you know, like all these things that everybody looks as, you know, kind of these menial things when you have a really good office manager. Yes. And I asked her one day, her name was Karen. And I said, Karen, how did you learn how to do all this stuff? I said, have you been doing this for like 30 years? And she's like, no, she's like, I raised six boys. Then she got remarried and cause her husband passed away and then she acquired three more. So she had nine in her household at different times and different ages and blended families. And she's like, I really became a master at, making sure everything ran smoothly and helping people get along. I'm like, hello, there is the qualification. You know, it's yeah. not time management. It's not all these tick, tick, tick names that you see. <laughs> helping people get along and making sure things run smoothly. Like, yeah. 
hello, that's that, that was it. That was it for me. And I'm like, I can see why you were hired. And it's a super skill, you know, it's a super, super skill. skill. Yeah. But you know, cause the salespeople aren't going to fill the copy machine and the, you know, yeah. the escrow people and the mortgage people are not going to connect the computers. They're all going to whinge and complain and cry and stomp and yell and scream, you know, when there's no pens. Well, it reminds me of that saying about, you know, if, if you think that the smallest thing has no impact, be stuck in a room with a mosquito. It can't get out. Right. I mean, that's the thing. She, might not have the brown college or whatever degree but she is the cog that makes everything run well right and you've got to start somewhere like one of my favorite success stories is my co-host on powered up talk radio linda franklin and she was the first canadian woman to have a seat on the new york stock exchange which is pretty snazzy yeah the best part of it is that she moved from canada to new york with no education she was the secretary. She worked in this company for, a, I don't know, for how many long years, you know, like seven or eight, maybe five or six. I'm not sure. Sorry, Linda, if I'm butchering your story. But the fact of the matter was, she said when she turned 29, she read this book that said, you know, you won't be able to know what you can do till you try. So she went to her boss and said, you know, I've been helping all these traders over the years. I think I would be good at it. And, you know, he probably went like, oh, ha, 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 we'll let you try your little thing, blah, 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 yeah. you know, and then, you know, 30 years later, she's the top trader and the first woman, the first Canadian woman to have a seat on the New York Stock Exchange, like no education. It's an uncommon, it's uncommon what she did, but the, the, what you did, the oh, little girl, let's see if you can do it. That is not an uncommon response. From no. That, and not let that deter you. Now, times have changed since, you know. 30 years ago, I got a, a quote unquote job offer in a bar. I bet you couldn't do that. I was selling life insurance. I had to go take the exam. And I said, I can do that. I, I can do it with my eyes closed, right? Uh, well, so I take the exam. I work my first week. I sell more insurance than anybody else in the company. And the boss says, um, can you sell less? And I go, why would I sell less? He goes, well, because the guys are, are upset. The guys think that, you know, because you've got boobs that you're selling more. And I'm like, well, if you want to put me on salary, sure. But I'm on commission. Why would I sell less? Right. Like that doesn't make sense. Why don't you teach them to sell more? <laughs> you know, like it didn't make any sense to me. And so women will always have, you know, something like that thrown back at them. Um, I wanted to sell cars. Oh, you can't because you'll probably, you know, you don't know anything about engines. Who cares? Right. I, half the guys in here don't know how to fix a car, but they're selling them. So, you know, it's, times have changed a little bit since then, but the fact does remain if, if you're a threat to a male in, in, in a male dominated field, like Linda, you know, who came in and outsold everybody. Uh, we're really good. Women are very good at what they do. And they're very, you know, I, I, um, I was in a class, I think my twins were about two or three and I went to I went to college and I took a class called career planning for women and in that class we were to get at the end of it job shadow in any industry that we thought we wanted to belong to and I got every single one of my classmates 14 of them job shadows wherever it was that we wanted to do so I'm like I'm pretty good at that <laughs> you know I got yeah. them all a job shadow what does that mean about me oh well I want I thought I wanted to go into events but you know I job shadowed with a, a bunch of different um, careers it, which is a really great idea and a really fun way to figure out if you like the work that 
you're going to be doing because they're not giving you the sexy high level. You're doing day-to-day -day work with the person who actually does that job. And so you find out um, the real scoop and is that something that's for you or not? And, you know, it's not easy to get 14 people who are ethnically diverse um, job shadows, but, but we, I did. And so I think that, um, not to toot my own horn, the, the way I was going with that is that that's something that anybody could do really, if you're of a mind to do that for other people, and you could probably get paid to do that. So there's an entrepreneurial thing that somebody could do if they wanted to do that. <laughs> right, right. Just, just a need. And, um, you know, I think a lot of it is our own beliefs too. You know, when you were talking about, you know, those different opportunities, I think about, you know, when I got spin certified and, you know, I have a master's degree from a top university, you know, you don't get any better than Northwestern, you know, with, with my degrees. And, I hadn't taken a test like that, Frankie, in probably 20 years. Yeah. So for me to go into uh, take this test and have to memorize things and have to prepare and have to study was really hard for me. I got really nervous. And nobody said, Sam, you can't do it. Sam, don't even try. Frankie, it was all me. And yeah. Partway through the test, you know, I was sweating bullets. I had all my notes, you know, there was math on there and, you know, I hadn't done real math in a long time, you know, cause why would I, I mean, you know, I don't, I'm a writer and I'm a radio host. What's math got to do with it? Um, so for me to go and try and do that test was really unnerving for me. It was really humbling. It was really scary. I got all blotchy and I ended up getting a 93. Of course I was really happy. You know, I got 93 out of the hundred questions, right. And then I wanted to know what I missed on those seven. So I'm like, you know, go back and check all this stuff. And you know, what I realized is I got myself all worked up with a story. I told myself this story. Well, you know, you graduated, you know, when you were 20, you blah, 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 you blah, 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 blah. Then you got divorced. Then you had to start your company over. Now, no one's there telling me all this stuff, Frankie. I'm telling myself. Right, and I, I got can't. myself to the point of why would I even try to do this fitness exam and see if I can pass and what business do I have teaching at a gym because I'm not 90 pounds, I'm not 22 years old, you know, all these things were in my head. And then finally, I'm like, well, I told all my friends I were going to do it. So I had to do it. Like, but yeah. if it was up to me, like in my own devices, I probably would have talked myself well, it's good up. that you got accountability partners. But you know, it's funny because I had a very similar conversation this morning with somebody that I had hired back in 2007 when I worked in the government. And uh, we were talking today, we had gone to um, Toastmasters together as well, for, uh, business Toastmasters, because we worked for the government and we'd seen that the Secretary of Cabinet could not speak. And we said, we're not ever going to be that person. And so she said, well, what do you want to do? And I go, well, I don't know. But she goes, well, you could speak about anything. You could talk about anything. I go, but yes, but I, you know, when we were at Toastmasters, I was really good, but that was eons ago. And I, uh, you know, I'm lacking in that now. And I said, but I was thinking about going back to Toastmasters. She goes, go, go, you have to go. I go, yeah, but what if I'm not good now? What if I can't write a speech now? What if I can't, you know, I'm going, what the heck? Of course, right. where did that come from? Do it now, right? Like, but I'm more, I've been, you know, I'm more shy now, maybe, or I'm, you know, I was more go-getter-ish. Right, you know, or I've been beaten up by life for 20 years. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because 
you know what, I, I felt good about myself when I could speak well. And it is something that's fun to do, right? So these are challenges that we can, you, you took your spin, I'll go to Toastmasters, every, all of us can find something that will challenge us and improve our, and enhance our ability to get work. Right. Well, and I think one of the things that's really hard, one of the ladies that I'm coaching right now, um, you know, she's got a ton of money in her 401k. She's like 50 years old. She's had a wonderful career in the banking industry, but she said, came to me cause she says, I hate it and it's killing me. <laughs> you know, she's like, I've made all this money. And she goes, I love the people I work with. She goes, but I can't face the freeway another day. I can't, you know, I can't, I can't. And so she crashed out of it. She just stopped everything. And then she got this wicked depression because all of a sudden come from being a power player yeah. and going and doing and lunching and, you know, making deals and getting big checks to all of a sudden this vacuum of nothing. Yeah. And so of course, you know, she reaches out to me when she's at the bottom of the pile, like, you know, the depths of despair. And I had her as silly as it sounds. I had her put a post in our local journal to help kids with homework and drive kids around because her kids are in high school. Yeah. She really missed that with her kids. She really wanted to do that. And she's been doing that now for a couple months and she is so happy. And what it's done is it's given her her confidence back. Yeah. And if I had said to her, you should go get a job with another bank, with another whatever, she would have been so racked with anxiety for the year and a half she wasn't working. But yeah. she comes to me this morning. I saw her at the pickup line at school and I'm like, Hey, what are you doing here? And she's like, yeah, I'm dropping off so-and-so, so-and-so. And I said, how's that going? She goes, I love it. She goes, I get to spend time with these kids. And even though I missed it with my own and it's not exactly the same, she goes, it fulfills me. She goes, my high school age kids are so happy. And when I told them that I was picking these kids up because I missed doing it with you guys. And even though I can't give it back to you, I can give it to somebody else. She goes, both my daughters were thrilled. Nice. And, yeah. you know, and then she said, well, she's thinking of starting, I don't know what she was talking about with her company. I wasn't really listening too closely at that point, but she's thinking of starting her own company. And what gave her the confidence to do that was getting out of the house, driving these kids around for a couple months, having time to realize she is valuable. She is important. She is vital. Her skills are transferable. And so, you know, if you're listening today and you're thinking about like, I don't even think I could even start, just take a tiny step. Yeah. You know, you yeah. can volunteer, you can take a small job, you can do, uh, you know, part-time, you can do something until you get your confidence under you. You know, like I did with my, you know, indoor cycle certification. Then I went on to get senior fitness and I went on to get all these other things and I was confident and I gobbled them up. But every great journey begins with just one small step. And that small step can be signing up for a course and take it past fail. You don't even have to take you know it what? for a, a grade. The stuff I get, I don't even use. Like I got certified as a, as a, um, like a pole walking instructor when I could barely walk. And I'm, I, I'm surprised I got it, but I did. I, I got certified, but I'll never do it. There's just something in me that wanted to do it. So it's yeah. a challenge to myself. And you know, now I volunteer with grade twos and I do little art stuff with them in, in in class or read or help somebody you know who's challenged with um with their reading it's fun it makes you feel good and 
those are just little little things that everybody can do as a starter to to a jump off to what is it I want to be when I when I grow up again. Well, yeah, and I think it helps, you know, taking little steps like that also helps us see, do we really want to do this job at this time? Yeah. Or how yeah. we want to do it. You know, like my my contract with a um with an agent recently opened my eyes to thinking, how do I want to spend my day putting these books together, you know, for a contract? Do I want to do them alone or do I want to work with this like amazing, fantastic, <clears throat> creative woman who makes me laugh? It's like, hmm, I tried it sitting by myself. I didn't enjoy it that much. Then I reached out <laughs> to my amazing friend and she said, of course, and now we're collaborating and it's so much more fun. It, Cause it's not so much about getting published. It's not about the money. It's not about the fame. It's not about anything like that. Yeah. It's about the experience and how do I want to spend the days that I've been given? Do I want to laugh and enjoy myself or do I want to sit squirreled away in a dark room? Now, to be fair, Frankie, if you'd asked me this 10 years ago, you know, when I was recently divorced, my mom had just died and I'm raising two toddlers on my own. Yeah. Um, I would have preferred the dark room. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I didn't want the pressure of face-to-face. -face. And I think knowing where you are uh, on that timeline, you know, you can go ahead and do some jobs on Fiverr or Guru or any number of these online companies, and you never have to meet the person you're working with. Yeah, you know, I, I was writing for Blogvertise for a couple of years and, you know, pulling in a couple hundred bucks a month, just doing little, just little articles, like not even, I don't know, a couple hundred words maybe. Like they were nothing. They I pulled them off in five minutes and you, and you got paid. And so, you know, there's all kinds of opportunities out there for writers. There's all kinds of opportunities out there for people who just need a little bit of income. Fiverr used to be five bucks and you could do a lot on Fiverr. Um, I don't use them as much anymore because now they become a big money grabbing service, I think. But, you know, there are opportunities to even start one of your own, you know? Right. Um, I was watching this woman who makes God, I don't know, $80,000 a month on Amazon selling her own products on Amazon. I mean, there's so many opportunities out here right now for anybody who is creative or anybody who wants to work hard or anybody who um, just doesn't know. Look right. around and because there's so much that we don't know. With technology today, there's a lot we don't know. Well, know. right. And there's a mom in my town. There's a couple of moms in my town that I think are really, really cool entrepreneurial ladies. Uh, one of the ladies is German. And so she makes these German, you can go on her website and order these German foods. And, mm -hmm. you know, you need to give her like a day's notice, but she'll make you sauerkraut. She'll make you apple kuchen. She'll make you uh, pickles. Yeah, she makes all these different things. And you just order from her. And she put an ad in our little local paper. And then we have a cake lady in our town, Janet, the cake lady. And she's got all these different cakes that if you give her a couple days notice and you don't have to go to the bakery. Now you can, but if you want something special and unique for your party and you know, the both ladies was telling me that, you know, they make two, $300 a week for yeah, their items. Yeah. That's you know, I paint pets. You know, I paint pets and I love to paint pets. And I started painting pets for, uh, to pay for cleft palate surgery for children uh, through Mercy Ships. And so if you think that you have a talent and you don't know what to do with it, that's something that you can do. Yes. You know, it's another way of working. Now you could keep the money for yourself or you can give it to charity or do a bit of both. Um, but we all have some talent. You know how to sew or you know how to do knit or crochet. 
the pounders looking for stuff, babies in the hospitals are looking for hats. Like there's all kinds of stuff out there. If you've got absolutely, I mean, homemaking tab or whatever. It's just a matter, I think, of thinking you're worthy. Yeah. Is what it yeah. comes down to is what I make worthy. You know, like I did this thing recently, which you're going to even make my bread. I put my little bread oh, yeah. recipe up on, you know, the internet. And I was so proud of my bread, you know, these bread rounds that I make. And I've gotten five or six inquiries going, do you make these regularly? Can I buy some? Because, you know, I'd really like them for, you know, my weekends, you know, it's, they're fresh. They're literally that day, fresh bread. And yeah. Since we live rural, you know, in the little market in my town inquired and said, do I want to sell some of my bread rounds there? Wow. And I was like, here's an opportunity. Now, you know, I'm, I'm kind of chock full of work right now, but there is an opportunity. Who would think that putting up one of my pretty breads on Facebook, and I just wanted to share with people how easy it was and that they could make right. their own. I never yeah, intended <laughs> right, for it to be a business. That is awesome. I mean, I had a girlfriend who, who started to make artisan breads. You know, the bakeries are going away. Yes, they you know, are. The, the, the butchers are going away. All of these places that we used to go separately are all going away. I'm hard pressed to find a really good European bakery with great bread anymore. It's very hard to find. So yeah, I'm going to make my own. I think it's awesome. And I never thought I would make my own bread. I thought it was too difficult. But the recipe that you shared, you probably get 100 people calling you right now after the show. Um, it, it, it looks foolproof. And if I can make it and you can make it, I'm sure everybody can make it. So why wouldn't you? And right. Nothing. And, you know, the other thing, too, that was so funny about and I guess this is our consumable society. Um, when I put that little bread recipe up. Everybody was asking me, well, what kind of equipment do you need? You know, do you need this special blah, blah, blah? And, you know, there was a post in my little community post that everybody, I mean, I had like 80 comments on it. And in the community post, I put and I showed a picture of the inside of my oven. I was using whatever pots I had. I wasn't, I didn't have this big professional industrial oven. I didn't have these fancy pots. And one of them was a pampered chef bottom with a Pyrex pie plate on top because I just needed to keep, you know, the heat yep. and the steam in, you know, to make the bread. And it looked ridiculous. Like it looked like, you know, like a, a child. MacGyver, um, you MacGyvered it. <laughs> yeah, I MacGyvered it. But it, you know, it looked like a child's homework project. But it just shows that we live in a consumable society that will tell you, you have to have this machine. You have to have this special pot. You have to have this thing. And people were laughing going, Oh my God, I had my mother's vision where from like the eighties that I inherited, you know, an old pampered chef pot that I was using some Corel where, you know, anything I could do to put these loaves of bread in that were round, you know, with a lid on it and that, that were oven safe. And I'm like, that's it. Like, don't go out and buy anything. Look you at what you have in your pantry. Yeah. I bet you could. I bet you could make those on a barbecue. Oh, you could. You could do them anywhere you have a heat source. Yeah. As long as you got the heat, right? That's right. That's awesome. I love it. I'm, I'm so excited to try it. Can't wait. Can't wait. But that's it. Like, there's, there's, like, that's the thing that I think if people can take away anything from today's show, that's the one I want them to take away with was, huh, I'm so excited. I'm going to try it. Yeah. Because even if it doesn't work out for that specific target that you want, you don't know what else is going to unfold. 
And success begets success. Opportunity begets opportunity. You know, all of these things, you know, me deciding I need to do something with my stress. And when I was little, my mom would bake when she was stressful and she'd hand it out to all the neighbors. So I started digging through my mom's old recipes and I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't made this bread probably ever since I was 13 or 14. And I'm going to try this bread and make it. And all of that came from just trying something different. Yeah. And you know, even if it's not trying bread at home, but it's trying something out in the world, it could just be that you're supposed to meet that person. You don't know what's going to happen when you try something new. Right. right. You don't know. They create all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. But it's, it's good to do it. Yeah. So don't think that you can't because you can. It's mindset. You can and you will. Well, and some of the greatest things that we, we use today are byproducts of a quote unquote failure. You know, I think of a lot of our pharmaceuticals, like, you know, the one that grows your lashes and the one that grows hair was like an offshoot of some sort of like heart medication or diabetic medication. I forget what illness it was designed for. This drug was designed to do something and they found out it grew hair. What about the light bulb? How many... A thousand nine hundred ninety-nine times before it worked. Yeah. But it and that's yeah. the other thing. Like, you know, I always say this to my kids when they say, like, well, mom, I don't know, or what if, you know, all those things. And I say, Well, do you know how electricity works? And they don't. And I'm like, but you know how to turn on a light. You know, yeah. do you know how the car works? No, you know, because they're little. But yeah you know, you know, to put gas in it. I'm like, there's so many things you do know. Don't focus on what you don't know that you can figure out as you go. Focus on all the right. things you do know, and that will help you move forward. Cause I think more often than not, more people give up before they give something a really fair shot. And here's something else. If you're afraid to ask because you think you're stupid, just about everything is on YouTube. You can learn how to do everything on YouTube. I, you know, even my dad couldn't figure out. So I go, go to YouTube, dad. Here's the link for the video. Watch the video. You'll be able to use your Google home. Or you'll be able to use your this or use your that. So you don't even have to ask anybody because YouTube will, YouTube will do it for you and they won't, you know, rat you out. <laughs> yeah. And then you just try. And, you know, there really is, you know, no failure. There's just a different outcome. Right. Yeah. So don't be, don't be afraid to fail because there is, like you said, there's no failure. And, and really the beauty in failure is, is learning what not to do the next time. Right. You either learn or grow or decide to... Bless you. Kevin, Sorry, I sneeze. Yeah. You either learn or grow or decide to do something else. Yeah. When you know? Kevin Wheatley says about failure, it's not the undertaker. Like, it's true. Well, I think, you know, the trauma goes back to, you know, like grade school, you know, when they were putting red marks, like you failed, you made a mistake, you didn't blah, blah, blah. And I remember even when I was in college, Frankie, um, I took this statistics class and it was a non-calculus based statistics class. And I used calculus to solve some of the problems and the teacher accused me of cheating. She's like, how did you get to this answer? And she's like, and I, she goes, I don't even understand what these little squiggles are. And I'm like, well, that's an integral between zero and one. And she's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So I said, take my test to the math department and you'll see there's other ways. Cause she showed right. this really long and involved longhand way. It's like the difference between an algorithm and a, you know, oh, sure. and longhand. And, 
I said, you're teaching longhand and I'm using a shortcut with Calcus. She goes, well, that's not the way I taught you. And I'm like, well, the way you taught me is inefficient and there's really no reason to do it if you know this way. And I said, and I did, and I, I went over to my calculus teacher and I'm like, from a couple of years ago, I'm like, I need you to talk to this professor. She's accusing me of cheating. Yeah. You know, I think one thing that we didn't mention is guilt. There can be a lot, because I wrote a book on, on changing your life in, med, in midlife, and there can be a lot of guilt um, associated with wanting something different. People, but you've got everything. You've got a beautiful home, or you've got a great job. or right. why, why aren't you satisfied? Yeah, why aren't you satisfied? And all I can tell you, if you're listening, my answer is, I come into this world alone, and I leave it alone. It's my journey. It's not anybody else's journey. And maybe I affect other people, and they affect me, but really... If you were in your 40s or 50s or 60s and you've got maybe 20, 30, 40 years you know, left forward to live, live the best life. Live the life that you want to live. Don't let others guilt you into keeping, and keeping you small or keeping you in a job or a position or a role that you're not happy with. It's not, it's not their job. Your job is to look after you and be happy with you. Well, and you know what I find a lot because, you know, since I've had all my careerlets and, you know, I've bounced all over the globe where I've lived and what I've done and, you know, it makes for a very interesting, fun life for me, but it's frustrating. You know, I hear my dad say things like, well, you know, I've got these children and, you know, one's a nurse, one's an engineer, uh, you know, one is a rocket scientist for NASA and, you know, one is a nurse and, and the other one's a nurse and, and then they get to me and he's like, and my little one, well, she marches to her own drum. Right. You know, and it took me a while to get over being the drum marcher, but then I realized like, that's what it is. And sometimes well-meaning too. people will say to me like, well, why don't you just stick with something? Why do you have to have a new career every 10 years? And I look at them and I smile back and I say, well, why would you worry about me for that? Yeah. Like, I, you know, it's a polite way of saying like, mind your own business. Yeah, like can, I can, can fire for, back at you and get a guaranteed paycheck. Can't you do that, Sandra? Right. But I mean, who's, whose anxiety am I solving yours or mine? And my son used to say that to me and I go, how do you know they're not going to go out of business? What makes them safer than me? Who's going to work hard for myself because it's me. Right. Why is working for a company safer than working for yourself? Right. It's not. They can go out of business just as quickly as you could. Well, so and sometimes I, I like to say to my well-meaning, you know, friends and family members, that's like me asking you to do my job. Like you like that security, you like the routine, you like the comfort of an office. You know, I like to work in the library, the coffee shop. Every day I like to work somewhere different Yeah, because yeah. that's what makes me feel good. It helps me do a good job. So if you're going to put me right. in a cubicle in a corner, you know, I'm going to die like a hothouse flower. And exactly. so when people ask you why you're not like them, in a gentle way, you fire back saying, well, that's like asking you to be me. Or right. me to be you. Yeah. So you know? don't let the guilt affect you. Just do be you and let you be happy. Yeah. And I think that's much, I think that's much more prevalent in our, our, um, our younger generation. I see in my son's dance class, there's boys and girls that dance. You know, the boys are not ashamed of being a ballet dancer. And, yeah. you know, in the high school, we've got the girls, I coached the girls swim team the other day. And what I noticed, Frankie, the difference from when I swam to when they swam is 
there was a lot less um, body shaming body covering up the swimmer girls were all different sizes and the big ones or the small ones or the tall ones or the short ones they just all got on the blocks they weren't like in my years we covered ourselves with a towel like i was i yeah. always thought my hips were too big so i always yeah. get out of the pool and cover myself with a towel i'm like these girls weren't at all they were focusing on swimming and i was like i was really astounded and amazed by them because that's what it should be yeah i mean i got good shoulders from doing it being the backstroke right and i go i'm proud of that i do a great backstroke right you know hey i'm strong so i think that that's so much better i wish i could be like that for that i wish i could be like them um we got years and years of you know i got to chip away at right, that programming. like that but I, that is brilliant and i'm so grateful that they that they're that way yeah, me too. I mean, I look at that and, you know, it's all in our mind. It's that mindset. And, you know, that's the one thing that I'm so glad we talked about today was the, you know, the mindset of the entrepreneur and that just to accept that you're going to be nervous, accept that it's going to maybe get some blowback from the people around you, you know, and that's all okay. That's part and parcel with what it is. Just roll with it, accept it. Because I think if you know it's coming, then it's not as damaging. Oh, and the other thing about being an entrepreneur is don't tell anybody your dream because there's a lot of dream killers out there. They don't understand about being an entrepreneur. They are afraid. Like you said, they have to play it safe. So they don't understand why you would want to start something or, you know, have something. So if you're unsure, don't tell people about your dream. Just make it happen. Well, and they might even be well-meaning and protective. Yes. You know, yeah. like when I, when I first left, um, left uh uh Coldwell Banker as an from an executive position and you know I said I'm going to start my own company you know my whole family who are not entrepreneurs were concerned and they were well-meaning Frankie even our well-meaning friends and family can be dream killers absolutely yeah and that's what I meant like they're well-meaning they love you they don't want you to fail they don't want you to be out money they don't want you know to have to look after you when you're, you know, you lose your house or whatever the case might be. But the fact is they don't understand what it is to be an entrepreneur. They don't understand the dream. My stepmom was like that. She used to say, oh, you're just like your dad. And I would take that as a compliment. Yeah. And she mean it as a compliment, but I take it as a compliment. And only in the fact, because he was an entrepreneur and I'm an entrepreneur and I have an entrepreneurial mindset. I don't want to work for somebody else. I don't want to be clock watched. I don't want, I don't, you know, entrepreneurs don't work nine to five. They probably work 24 hours a day. But that's because they have a dream that they want to make happen. And, you know, I was just talking to somebody else about that before the show. Um, she, has a, she has a Pilates business and she's afraid to, you know, not afraid, but she doesn't want to go on vacation yet. It's five months old. It's a new baby. And I said, I get that. I get it. You know, you are growing your heart, really, basically right. is what it is, you know, and, and you want to be there to look after it. Well, and when you can create something that you want to do in this life, you're happy. Yeah. You're not working. You're not, working. you're not working the joy, you know, free. like I, like my couple of my brothers and sisters, you know, when I go on vacation with them, we all go to my dad's, my dad's house, you know, on the water. And I come in with my computer and a lot of books and all these things. And they're like, how come you're bringing your work with you? And I'm like, it's not work. It's my fun. Like they're books I want to read. And yeah, are they business books? But that's what I want to read. You know, yeah. and I want to read, you know, yes, I want to read my romances and I want to read all this other stuff, but I have all these books and then I have my computer because I know myself, I'm going to want to write some things after I'm inspired from these. 
And is that work? Not to me. Right. Right. We all have the things that we love to do. So, you know, go for it. That's all I can say is whether it's working for, and I didn't mean to put down working for anybody else. So don't think that that's a bad thing. It's not. There are lots of people who like the comfort of that. I particularly don't. But if you like it and you need it and you want it, fantastic. Good for you. Go find a job with somebody and, and find your niche in their, in their job placement and, you know, have fun with it. Um, well, and it's also a great way to prepare for being an entrepreneur. Right. You know, some of the jobs that I had were traditional nine to five or, you know, nine to whatever. Um, yeah. But, you know, my work at Disney and CBS, my work at, at Keller Williams and Coldwell Banker, my work at IBM, all of these things came together to form part and parcel of what I'm doing today. So I don't think there's any wrong way. Sometimes there's better ways, but if you throw yourself into it, learn as much as you can, enjoy yourself as much as you can, and get as much out of it as you can, then nothing's ever a waste. That's right. It's That's all right. goes into your toolbox. That's, That's right. It all goes into your toolbox. Well, thank you, Frankie, for being my guest today. I hope thank our you. listeners are inspired and go out and make their mark, whatever that looks like. We'll be back again next week. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach.